Blog Talk Radio. Mm. Oh.
Uh, Ringo Rogers got a connection problem. Murengo yes. Mpayama. Yes, I can hear you clear. Okay. Everybody listening, we are trying to resolve a technical issue here. Uh, Roger's guest is on Zoom, so we are trying to do some technical adjustments. Uh, but the way you can hear me clearly, right? Yes, I can hear you clearly. Okay. We cannot hear Roger. Um, I'm trying to check if he is live on Facebook, but I do not see him.
are in the who are the forces uh, in that video um if you heard what that man said he, he says it's the chief politician uh, those who, who have very little understanding uh, of uh, of issues um africa wise who are the forces uh, responsible for this practice of state caste yeah, I, th I think what is helpful is to uh, identify the problem. I agree. Identify the problem. The problem is that the, the vast majority, uh, vast number of people who are feeling excluded right now, and the sentiment is that the exclusion is deliberate and that it's being used for political purposes. And our job, the job of people like me who have been privileged mm. to serve and the people of Zambia have given me the opportunity to serve them. You know, they, they, this, this state, Zambia, has educated me at great cost in mm. his part when education was accessible. And uh, I have a duty to help. I, it's more beneficial for me to keep quiet and uh, have yes. a bit of money in my back pocket, but uh, what does it do to my conscience? So those of us who have... Uh, the, the, the privilege of being able to articulate issues on behalf of others, we are highlighting this thing. And I think what we must not do is, uh, I think it may not be helpful at this point if we want to resolve the problem, to point at uh, okay. who are the, the people, but we know that responsibility lies on the government. The government has a responsibility to be in the forefront of fostering uh, uh, national unity and national cohesion. And I think the government is already aware of its responsibility because whenever we watch ZNBC TV, there is this uh, reintroduction of this slogan, one Zambia, one nation before mm. now, now we should not only sloganeer, we should put what we are saying into action yeah. and uh, give, give uh, action to those ways and uh, part of it is making sure that the appointments reflect a national yes. it is not true that in northwestern province you cannot find northwesterners who can't save in government it's just not true you know it's not true that there is no single northwesterner who can be loyal to his excellency the president or who can do work in the government in a, in a in a loyal way and uphold the constitution. That is the truth for Southern province, it's true for Western province, and it's true for Central province, and any other province that uh, insecure people may have a problem with the uh, appointments from. So I think it's just insecurity. And uh, I, I think this insecurity of thinking that if a person has a name that is from a particular province, mm. all of a sudden they'll start leaking information to the opposition or other people, it, it's just not true, you know. So, continue on that. Uh, uh, hopefully, we can resolve it. Yeah, continue on that trajectory uh, just a little bit. Uh, when they say they may not be royal, do they understand the bigger problem they are creating? Uh, because it's like they are trying to solve a small political problem, but they are forgetting that. That comes at a greater, greater cost uh, if like, we continue at, at this uh, rate we are going.
you are breaking that. Okay. Okay. So I will. So you have you have to say that again. I lost you. Yes. Yes. I lost you there. Yeah. I'm beginning to have some small bubbles. I hope they don't uh, continue. I, I was saying uh, continue with the, uh, that trajectory. Hello? Okay, so we're beginning to have uh, internet issues. We were doing okay. I don't know what has happened. Hello, I'd lost you there. Okay, are you able to hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, Hello. Yes, yes. So I was saying, uh, State Council, they are trying to solve a small problem of um, mm -hmm. of royalties, uh, as, as, as they claim. But what is a bigger problem they are creating by solving this small small political problem? Yeah. No, and and that is that is true. I, I'm not even sure there is a. Uh, I'm not you know when you are concerned about leakages in government mm -hmm. I mean leakages always happen they happened even at the time if they are wrong they shouldn't happen but they happened even at the time we're in government the yes. only cure the only cure is do the right thing obviously like if you are talking about national security uh, uh, it's a different issue but when you're talking about leakages, about corruption or these other wrongdoings, I mean, at the end of the day, the greatest cure to such kind of leakages is just not to engage in corruption. Mm -hmm. So loyalty is to the republic. Loyalty is to the state. And uh, I don't think there is any uh, serious argument that people from these areas cannot be loyal. No one can argue that seriously, in my view. Right before I go to the um, the next one, it is where you are making a very strong argument on tribal tribal balancing. Uh, you're making a very very uh, strong argument there. Uh, Dr. Kasonso, good morning. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you today? Say hello to State Council uh, Musa Mwenye. Uh, State Council, when you're welcome to the blog, and it's a pleasure to uh, appropriate your wisdom and uh, uh, understand your, I perfectly understand your concerns, and um, uh, we would like to, uh, to, to just find where your, your heart sits on, uh, on the national interest in your estimation and what is going on on the ground. Yeah, so, you know, um, welcome again. And, and yeah. thank you for you, are, you have uh, a question? Uh, I'll let you have a question for him uh, before I yeah. continue. Uh, uh, State Council, in your estimation, um, in your estimation, uh, let us assume that um, uh, there is nobility in the notion of appointing only people from a particular region of Zambia. Um, what message do you think they are trying to communicate to the other half uh, that they think would serve the national interest? I, I, I wouldn't even uh, uh, ascribe any sort of wisdom or method, um, strategy to, to, to it. I don't think uh, 
there is any calculated strategy to send a message. And there is certainly can never be any mobility in excluding any part of this country from the affairs of the nation. I think it is something that has crept up, and I think there has been a conspiracy of silence on, on all of our parts. We've just kept quiet, and people have been complaining silently. And I think now it's our job to alert our leaders that this is not okay, and that this is something that ought not to be continued. Uh, if there is a message that is being sent, it's certainly not a good one. To send a message to any part of this country that they are uh, excluded from the management of the affairs of the nation is to make a very, very uh, bad uh, mistake because it breeds discontent, uh, discontentment, it breeds dissension, and it's a recipe for problems. We need Zambians to hold together. We, we, when we are paying ministers, when we are paying the PS, when we are paying the director in government, when we are funding the parasteto that has a board that only comes from two areas, we don't just tax those two areas. Every region of this country contributes to the national face of it. We are all taxed. And when we are being taxed, there is no discussion about where a person comes from. And I think that ought to stop now. And we must balance. There is no reason why this practice should continue. I would like to imagine that maybe it was done inadvertently up to now by looking at people people went to school with and so on. But I think now that we've alerted uh, um, the authorities, now that we've uh, raised this alarm, one would hope that we will see more balanced appointments, a deliberate move to look, seek out and look for other Zambians to participate in the management. And there are so many people. I remember uh, in our time in government when we were looking for appointments, although they could have been uh, uh, complex even then, what I noticed is that people would be sought out. Yourself, Dr. Kasoso, could be called from where you are and say, but can you come back here? Are you able to help with this uh, place? You seek out people, and that is the job of the technocrats in the government, advisors to the president, or even his excellence, the president himself can seek out one or two people who he thinks are capable, who are not from these two regions that are being... Uh, are, are, are being seen as uh, occupying a privileged position at the moment. Well, well said. Uh, like we said, uh, this is uh, a heavy lifting um, state council. We 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 really need this. Uh, we really need. Uh, we really need this. Talk about national development when half of the country, as it seems today, feels left out. And I like your previous uh, statement where you said you don't want to blame anyone. Uh, yeah, I, I think that was a very constructive or very helpful. Now, when we come to national development, when people are feel left out, state council, what effect does that, does that have? Yeah. Now, with that, I think we we that issue of national development and people being disaffected, I think, is across the country. 
it covers every region in this country. And, and mm. uh, uh, I, I don't think the, the northerners or the easterners exactly. can claim to have received any more developments than any other person. The complaint is simply with respect to the appointers and the appointing authority. And, and this must be made clear. It should never be an issue of targeting northerners or easterners. They have done nothing wrong. The issue here is about those who are appointing, are only appointing certain people. And, and, and I think as, as Zambians, we, 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 we have to make that extremely clear. That mm. when we raise the issue of appointment and the way they are going and our constitutional provisions, it should never ever be about attacking our brothers or, or seeing them as the ones benefiting. Because when you look at national development, you cannot claim that uh, uh, Northern Province has received any more no. development than mm. other regions. Mm. It is not true that uh, Luapula has received, in fact, I was in Luapula. Luapula doesn't even have industrial grade power, you see, because uh, uh, they can't even set up manganese processing plants in Luapula right now because Luapula doesn't have industrial grade power, you know. The, uh, the same can be said of Muchinga. Muchinga, if you go to Chinsadi, the infrastructure is very uh, insufficient. That is the same for Eastern Province as well. So these regions have not necessarily gotten any more development than any other place. Mm, mm. People in these regions have not gotten uh, any more favors than people on the ground. What is happening is it is the elites who are appointed in the appointments are doing it in a way that is sending a very dangerous signal and that we must deal with. Now, yeah. coming to the issue of development, the, the issue of development in my we have had a huge problem and, and I've always said this, I'll say it again, of corruption. Mm. And that is the issue that all of us from all regions have seen. It is something that I think when it comes to issues of uh, uh, corruption, whether it's by former leaders or current leaders, it's a problem that we have to, uh, to address. Our, our national pace is very small. We had the IFIC reporting that at one point I did an analysis of their reports. In three years, we had corrupt transactions that went up to $800 million. This is a country whose reserves is about $1.5 mm, you see? So now, if you have those kind of leakages and then you want to build, they, even at the household level, you cannot build an economy or you cannot build your household first when you haven't first fixed the leakages. You haven't looked at your expenditure level uh, on the expenditure side, stopped the excessive, wasteful, and unnecessary expenditure before you start building up your reserves. And that's our problem. How can um, our people in Northern Province, our people in Luapula, our people in uh, in Western Luapula, uh, uh, Northwestern or Southern access real development when instead of buying an ambulance at fifty thousand dollars, we are buying the same ambulance at two hundred and eighty-eight thousand dollars, and and this is the one ambulance and our. Our friends from Sweden embarrassed us as a country. 
because after it was announced that these ambulances were bought at 288,000 by our, our government using a middleman, the Swedish government announced that they had donated the same spec of ambulance at $50,000. How can our nation develop and uh, take uh, development to these areas when we are paying mm -hmm. uh, uh, fire tenders at $1 million apiece? Okay. You know? <laughs> You are spending $42 million on fire tender when we know that the total amount that was spent to bring them in is $3.5 million. And you even go an extra mile and waive taxes on those procurements. You know? mm. And the list goes on and on and on. And on and on. Now we are dealing with honeybees. Oh, that's it. That is, like I say, it's in another a can of... Yes. <laughs> that's what I meant, uh, Ted Council, when I said, is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nathan, uh, if you are able to come in, please uh, come in. <laughs> Our connections have, have been tricky. Uh, yes. Ted Council, we are... is our GDP. We are trying on him, but next time we'll be okay. I hope it will come, uh, and you will. Uh, go ahead. Yes, yes excellent. Uh, State Council Mwenya, it's good to have you on the show. I was telling my colleague here that uh, we've been trying to get you to come on uh, via Dr. Mulenga in South Africa. I'm glad it has worked out this time around. And uh, no, thank we're you. Good. Yeah, we're glad to have you. I have two questions for you. Number one, how do we create a balance on the argument of tribal balancing in a nation which has experienced intermarriages over the past, from the time we've been independent, if you wish to say so. We have people with Bemba names, with a combination of Lozi and the Bemba name. You have Bembas who have grown up in Western province. You have Lozis who have grown up in Eastern province, things like that, of that nature. So I may carry a Tonga name, and yet I'm not really pure Tonga, so to speak. I know everybody understands what I mean by that. How do we not exaggerate this argument of tribal balancing in a country with such a scenario? My second question is, I was listening to one of your video clips where you were arguing to say, uh, rightly saying, civil servants need to account for the wealth that they accumulate where somebody, you rightfully said, you need to explain how you've acquired a Range Rover when your income from your job as a civil servant doesn't agree with the assets that you have. Don't, do you think that we probably need to consider making into law Dr. Kaunda's leadership code, would that help? I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, let, let me start. Thank you so much. I, I'm assuming this is Pastor Nathan Kama. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so it's good to hear from you, sir. Now, now let, let me start with the issue of uh, tribal balancing. What, in fact, Perhaps when we use the word tribal balancing, we may even misrepresent it slightly. I think the correct way to look at it is regional balancing. 
the names, yes, there have been several intermarriages. I personally uh, married, uh, I'm, I'm, for lack of a better word, here in Zambia, we use the word Amkarat in inverted commas. I, yeah. I am from two regions. But uh, <laughs> my wife is from the north. She's a Mambu from, uh, from Bala. You see, so my kids are all sorts of quarters. Now, now, but that's notwithstanding, the, these sentiments are still there. We should not, if we had intermarried enough, if we had gotten to a level where the, 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 our, our regional and tribal identities have now completely disappeared, then we shouldn't have had the problem we have now. Because the fact of the matter is, you hear people in the ruling party saying that Southerners are tribal and that they only vote for uh, uh, people from their area in inverted commas. You hear Southerners saying the North, uh, or the, uh, the North is the, uh, accusing the Northerners of saying someone has issued a statement that uh, um, uh, it's a no-go area for anyone from the South. I have seen myself ministers campaigning on tribal grounds, saying that no Tonga should come here and campaign and get a seat in the north. Those things are there on the ground. So the issue, I think, is to, to be honest enough to identify mm. that the problem exists, and then we must resolve it. How do we resolve it? By being deliberate in sending the correct message. It's like affirmative action. You who are in the Western world there know that when the Western government saw that women, for example, are being sidelined, there was a deliberate policy to have women uh, uh, employment increased, and that was the affirmative action. You have affirmative action with the African Americans or even uh, uh, Africans in other, or black people in other countries. But what we have to have here is a decision to regionally balance all appointments. And fortunately, as recent as 2016, a constitution that was passed by, drafted and passed by the current government mm. recognizes that issue. So it was recognized enough that it was actually enshrined in our constitution that that ought to be done. It is the current problem which was actually, as, a, as recent as 2016, recognized by a constitutional uh, enactment. So we must attend to it. So my, my, I mean, to shorten the answer is that uh, we haven't intermarried enough to completely wipe out regional and tribal identities. They are still there. And uh, the fact that there is actions that are being seen as skewed to some regions is causing problems and we should resolve. Yeah. Now, coming to the other issue you raised, um, I don't think we should have a leadership course. And the reason I say that is because it may work to discourage well-meaning business people from joining the government. Okay, those who have worked hard on their own and who have made money on their own and have Skills. For example, some of you may be business people in the U.S., there, UK, Canada, and any, any, anywhere else, 
and we say that would be a good minister of commerce. Can we come uh, ask you to come here and work for the time for your people? What a leadership code in the Kaunda style uh, does is to discourage you from participating in. But however, if the leadership code we are going to coin answers to the modern needs now, then yes, we can go to that route. But the principle is simple. Everyone who has worked or works in government should not be afraid to account for their wealth. I have always said this. I was Solicitor General first. I became Attorney General. Why should I be afraid of being asked what I had before, what I acquired uh, when I was in government, and uh, how come I have what I have now? If I haven't stolen, if my, my, my uh, wealth is not as a result of corruption, why should I be afraid? We, we have seen instant millionaires in this country who all of a sudden become business geniuses when they're in government. They have never run a single thing in their lives. They have never successfully done any business or even uh, uh, feathered themselves in a formal employment. But immediately they get into government, they become instant millionaires. And when they leave, poverty comes in a few years later. Now, how do you explain that? You know, how exactly do you explain the fact that you have that phenomenon? So the only explanation is that there is abuse of government offices. We are a poor country, mm. which has slipped on the TIZ Corruption Perception Index, and we continue to go down. I'll give you... I'll tell you uh, something, and a lot of people ask me this, what did you do yourselves when you were in government? How did you attend to it? I was requested by the late President uh, Michael Sato, may he still rest in peace, uh, in 2011 to join his government. And one of the issues I discussed with him when I was being asked is that if I were to occupy a, a watchdog role like the one he had given me, then I should be given me and my colleagues free reign to fight corruption. And he told me that is exactly why I'm bringing you in, because you're strong enough to say no. I must say, I enjoyed working with him because he encouraged us to fight corruption. There was one or two instances when he misspoke and made people uncomfortable about what he said. And uh, internally, we raised those issues. But generally, President Sata sent a consistent message about corruption. 2012, I was sworn in in 2011, December. 2012, we enacted the Anti-Corruption Act, brought back the abuse of authority of office clause. 2013, you may be interested to know, we are the, the ones who operationalized the uh, Financial Intelligence Center, FIC. We mm. gave it funding, we made sure it was staffed, and that it started working. Wonderful. You know, uh, we also um, uh, made sure that when a minister was uh, accused of uh, financial impropriety and was actually prosecuted, uh, they were fired. And we brought that to the president's attention. Unfortunately, he acted in accordance to the advice he was, uh, he was given. And uh, we saw a lot of that. Ronald Chitetela was fired. Uh, Rogers Muero, the, the late, may he so rest in peace, was fired. There was even a, a young permanent secretary 
who had a big uh, party with fireworks and so on. I think she had it on a Saturday. By Tuesday, she was asked to go and enjoy her wealth because we are saving poor people. You can't be showing so much wealth. And if you have so much money, go and, uh, go and uh, enjoy it. So I think the message was uh, uh, strong. It was consistent. And because of that, in 2012, we scored the highest corruption perception to uh, rose to 37, and in 2013 uh, and 2014, we set record our uh, 38. And I think that is something that uh, made me and my colleagues quite proud. So uh, I still reiterate the fact that we must account for our work. That's the only way yeah. to fight. People should know that when they leave power or, or when they leave uh, office or even as they are in office, they'll be asked questions as to how they are driving, uh, living in mansions and having lifestyle, sending uh, um, families all over the world for medical treatment complete with bodyguards paid for and so on. Where is this money coming from? Mm. In a country where people exchange. Some people eat today uh, at lunchtime, others eat supper tomorrow in the same household. You can't eat all the meals the same day. We have, we have problems that we must resolve. And every dollar, every quarter must be saved from going into people's pockets. Well said. Uh, we'll spend uh, the last uh, uh, 10 minutes uh, being hopeful as uh, State Council here. Uh, I, I've always told my friends I grew up in Kitwe, uh, where actually back in the day, state council when I was growing up, I thought people from Malawi were Malawi was a a, a city in in Zambia because there were so many of them in uh, in Mindoro. To my to my left, south we are from Tanzania, north Vanakabungo, everywhere, and. We lived well. Question, how, how do we begin to have a wonderful discussion where if we, you hear Tonga, it's not a toxic thing you are, you are hearing. If you, if you hear Bemba, it's not a toxic. We begin to celebrate ourselves. How do we lift our, our, ourselves at this stage, uh, sisters? No, I think, you see, our people have no problem. At the local level, at the domestic level, we have no problem with each other. And I tell people, why is it that in love we don't have this problem? When I saw my wife, I didn't ask which region do you come from. <laughs> my wife is from Wapura, by the way. Exactly. I just saw this woman, I said, she's beautiful. That is something that uh, looks appealing to me. Yeah. I probably knew about Mbala and everything four months after we had started talking. Yeah. Now, now, if in love we don't talk about this, why is it that we are talking about it in politics? And the only answer is that this is a politically motivated issue. Uh, well, uh, it's not an issue of our people. <clears throat> it is being funded by people who want to benefit politically by dividing us. And that's why those of us who are well-meaning must sound the alarm so yeah. that those who are funding it know that we know and we are not interested to participate in this machination. That's just divider, you know? Yeah. So at the end of the day, 
I don't think even now when you go in the communities, you don't see this. But those in authority and sometimes in government offices fund this kind of divisions. I'll tell you a story. I have a close friend of mine. He is Tonga, and we went to school together. He met me one day and he says, look, I'm very sad about what is happening. So I, I asked what was the problem. He says, my, my auntie, who is an old woman from the village, came to visit for a funeral, and in the funeral, uh, someone stole something from her. So we, we went, I got into my car, and we went to a nearby police station to report this issue. Now, because she's an old Tonga woman from the village, she could only speak Tonga coherently. So she was talking to me in Tonga, and I was uh, interpreting it to the to the police officer. And this police officer had the guile to say, not if you're Fitundomuno. How? <laughs> How does an wow. officer say talk like that? You know, and it, it's only the people who occupy some of these, and I don't think that is even a proper police officer because our police are very professional. Most of our police officers, if you recall, uh, uh, in the olden days, when they even speak, they would speak with the somewhat Lilai Tonga accent, if you remember, yes. mm -hmm. or even all the accent. Yes. So our police officers are not that intolerant. These are the new people who may have been infused who don't even have proper training. But this is something that is being now trying to be pushed down by people who don't know anything. It is not us. As Zambians, we are not that kind of way. And uh, locally, we don't even know these issues. So that's why well-meaning people like yourself and myself should, should uh, highlight these issues, not because we have uh, any ill will against our leaders. We do it out of love. It is a warning. It is the advice that, look, when you appoint people, don't say that we are disunited when we are, in fact, not disunited. You know, we are united people. At local level, we are cohesive. But the more that our leaders fund these plans, mm. the more the disunity will come. Exactly. And we must now so that it doesn't crop in. Wow. Wow. Uh, lastly, uh, I took this from your uh, Facebook article 259, uh, subsection 2 of our constitution requires regional balancing in appointments and nominations. Uh, there is a good reason, you say, uh, for, for this. Is there a, a legal uh, uh, recourse, uh, State Council, uh, to, uh, to this problem? Yes, there is the legal recourse. There is the action that people who feel they may have been discriminated against can take. Mm -hmm. uh, to enforce those articles. But even before we get there to legal recourse, we must hope that our leaders will see that this is not necessarily a legal issue. Exactly. Yeah, this is a national issue that should be attacked, attacked from a national point. Because, you know, the problem with law, you have winners and losers. We can't exactly. have that in this debate. No. You know, it, it is a question about I like that. all of us winning. You know, and hoping that we can convince uh, those who are listening that this is the right way to go. Mm. There is no need for any of these kind of things because we have seen it. We look at board appointments, there seem to be one way. 
we look at uh, uh, at uh, any appointment you can almost predict when someone is fired the replacement you can tell where they're coming you know mm. and I, and i think that even the people who are being appointed some of our brothers who we have spoken to they understand that this is a problem i have had a lot of discussions with friends who are from the east i have had a lot of discussions from friends in the northern region they also know that this is not proper because it doesn't save any of us you know because uh, we are one zambia we are one nation and we are one people we've always been we've always been one people said council i'm not sure uh, how to thank you if i speak in my uh, this corporate language i'm not sure how to thank you but we are very very grateful um and uh, we, we like you have rightly said some of us who are well informed we should continue to push this uh, issue um, because uh, going along with it it is uh, a dangerous uh, dangerous practice to have thank you state council for for your time thank you so much for having me and all the very best Yes. Thank you. So, Nathan, there you are. I hope you you got uh, something there you are convinced. He's challenging us uh, <laughs> that uh, we who, um, uh, what, what did you say? What did you say? We who are well meaning. Well meaning. We should take a lead into this uh, uh, thing as we, yes. as we transition to another. Go ahead, Nathan. Yes, it's, 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 it's important uh, because, you see, that's why I even read the issue of, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, okay, before I get to my point there, I like what he says when he says, instead of us saying tribal balancing, we should be saying regional balancing. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is very important. That, that's a very key point. Regional okay. balancing, language. We we need to change the language and how we, uh, the things that we say and wh- how we address this issue. I think it's very important because if you say tribal, it, it there's a, there's been a lot of intermarriage and like I said, there are people, members who have grown up in Western Province all their lives. You may have a Bemba name, but you probably speak more fluent laws than you even probably speak Bemba. You see that kind of situation? Things mm-hmm. like that. Like the example he gave that he didn't even know that his wife was from Northern Province until probably, what, four or five months into the relationship. Those things didn't matter to us. And, you know, you just start hearing about these tribal things when the politicians come into the picture. They need to stop it. They need to stop okay. it. You know? Well said, we are on the, on the hour, and uh, welcome to uh, Zambia Block Talk Radio. My name is Roger, here in uh, Okotok, called, called, called Canada country. Uh, we're now crossing over either to Nathan or um, Siareka, who now take 10 years, uh, 10 years anniversary of Wanakazi. Well done, Wanakazi. Uh, uh, cross over to you, Nathan. Thank you. Excellent. Everybody, welcome to the show. I'm your host here taking over from Roger. Great discussion on tribal balancing with State Council Musa Mwenye. Uh, Our February is Black History Month celebration and recognition in the United States. And I thought that Zambia Block Talk Radio being 
a radio talk show best out here in North America, we could focus on that subject. For this month, recognize and celebrate those that have achieved things, the people of color. I am your host, like Roger said. My name is Nathan Inkama, out of the great state and city of Dallas, Texas. My host is uh, Yareka Mohango. She is the founder and uh, CEO of Anakazi Center. Uh, if you want to talk about regional tribal balancing, am I allowed to say that, Yareka? Yareka and I come from the same... <laughs> Yareka and I are uh, what? It's, uh, regional or whatever, whatever word you want to use. Welcome, Yareka. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Tibweni. I call him Tibweni, so that's where we come, you know. Yeah, right? so Roger and everybody listening, Sibweni in our language is Anko, okay? So there you go. <laughs> All I right, yeah, yeah, Sibweni means Anko in, in our beautiful language. Yareka, congratulations on 10 years of Anakazi. Uh, 10 years ago, I don't know whether you... Let, let's begin this way. What motivated the formation of... Anakazi, what was going on inside of you to come up with this? Um, I think, just one second, um, it's a lot of things. Um, uh, first of all, it was my own experiences um, as a female uh, growing up in Zambia and uh, being raised by so many different women, my auntie who contributed to my upbringing, and just being mm -hmm. exposed to uh, the different way that they did things. Um, they, you know, I had women who, uh, who were career women. I was exposed to women who were just doing small businesses. Um, but at the end of the day, all these women were doing something to put food on the table. They were able to educate their children and supplement to uh, whatever their husbands were bringing home for, their, for the upkeep of the family. So I think that inspired me the most. And then learning, just learning about women, economic empowerment in general, I started just researching a little bit more and trying to see, you know, what is it, what are the gaps that uh, women mm. face in growing a business? What is it that we can do? And this is when I was in grad school in California. And when we came back from uh, Las Vegas, uh, from that conference, I, I, you know, I was inspired to do more. And I went back to the drawing board. And uh, I started drafting the mission 10 years ago, and, and uh, here we are 10 years uh, down the road. Um, you, that's, how, that, that's what really inspired me, it's just experiences and then just seeing the need, looking at the gap, and that's how we came okay. up with it. Okay, before we engage Susan, Gladys, and Tamara, who are joining us from Lusaka, uh, hi ladies, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Uh, the, the part of the uh, – I, I, when I look at your website, Yarek, and the information that is on Anakazi Center, um, I see uh, phrases like women economic empowerment. Uh, I want you to address that. And, of course, we know that women, especially the African structure, of uh, the home, livelihood, economy, and all that. Women do quite a bit. Uh, what, talk about this women economic empowerment. That, that's a very strong phrase right there. 
Right. Um, so there's been different authors and organizations that have tried to find empowerment uh, from their own perspective. So it will range mm. from self-strength to efficiency building of women. Uh, it could be political, social, educational. But we decided to focus on economic empowerment because that's the bread and butter for most people, right? We, that's the, 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 the biggest need at the moment. Um, because women need to be empowered enough to bring out their voices. So again, when we talk about empowerment, we're not trying to give power to women. They already have the power. We're trying to tap into that power so that That's we can good. expand it a little bit more and help them just to realize the strength that they have. So that's what we try to do. Uh, even when we're going uh, together as Anakazi, we're not saying Anakazi will give you this or give you that. We're saying, what will you bring to the table? Bring your strength, mm. bring your power. And then when we put it together as a collective eye, then we're able to expand a little bit more. We're able to achieve more. And we're able to raise our voices a lot more than where we are right now. So that's really our focus. It's self-empowerment, but it's tapping mm -hmm. into our own resources. Okay. So let's do a little reflection on the past 10 years. Um, what things would you like to highlight what has taken place in the past 10 years, where you are now, what have been the challenges, what, is, what, what are the most memorable, what are the achievements? That's a whole bunch of stuff I've thrown at you. Sure. So maybe I'll start from 10 years ago when we started, um, just even just thinking about what will we call this organization, right? Um, how something that any woman can relate to. So it wasn't just about African or Zambian women. We're thinking, we're out here, what can we do? So I remember being invited over to speak at UCLA. And uh, before then, I was trying to figure out, okay, the name of the organization, the concept. So this was going to be my test. So when I um, sat down and I looked at different words to mean women in our different languages and speaking of tribal balancing, um, you know, I used, I tried Bemba, I tried different, different words that mean women and finally settled at Anakazi. And the reason why I settled at Anakazi is because it's easy to pronounce and anybody mm -hmm. can just look at it and, and, and say Anakazi. So we went to UCLA and um, I, I, I spoke and uh, this American woman from the crowd just came looking for me and said, hey, are you from Anakazi? So I said, that's it. That's the name right there, you know. <laughs> because she can pronounce it, anyone can pronounce it. So that was the beginning. Mm. So uh, at that point, we were pitching, we were talking about um, being a voice for Africa at that um, okay. uh, conference. So it was about speaking about uh, women's issues. So I went there and I spoke about uh, women, uh, my, my, my sisters and, and, and mothers back home, and just uh, pitched the Amakazi mission. And I got a good response from, from my, my fellow uh, panel members and other participants. So from there, we started now looking at the needs. What are the needs um, that we need mm. to focus on? So we focus on four main areas. One is uh, business development. And within business development, we looked at empower, um, mentorship. We looked at training, entrepreneurship training. Um, we looked at uh, developing a business from one stage to another. What, what are those processes? And then we also looked at uh, access to finance. Most women have an mm -hmm. issue with access to finance. Uh, we looked at access to technology, which is a big, big issue then. Um, so we, we've just looked at needs, the gaps, where the gaps were. 
So based on that, we focus, that's where we put our strategic planning efforts. We focused on those areas, including advocacy. If you remember uh, from August of 2011, uh, we started um, the Anakazi show, the Voices of Anakazi right here on Zambia Block Talk Radio. So in that show, we were highlighting issues that affect women, bringing in leaders to share their experiences, and these experiences would um, amount to some kind of mentorship to a young uh, lady or young woman who is in our network who needs support in one way or the other. So those are the four main areas. So then we picked on um, access to information. Access to business development information was lacking amongst most uh, women entrepreneurs. So we decided to create all these uh, platforms online. Um, we started off with maybe like 20 people and those 20 brought other people. And then in the end, we, had over, we have over 300,000 followers online. Uh, we have mm -hmm. Anakazi site where people trade, women, both men and women trade using that platform. So we feel that women have been made, men and women have been able to use the platform to uh, market their products, um, increase their capital, um, you know, just branch off or test their products. So it's not tangible sometimes, but I think when you look at the activities that we've, uh, we've had on our platforms for the past 10 years, it's a lot. And if we were able to quantify that, that's a lot of impact that Anakazi has been able to um, deliver. And then we also have women in agriculture, that's another group. So there's about 10,000 women on that uh, agriculture platform. Um, other people share information about their experiences. They share um, different tips on how to grow different products. Uh, we also used to have farm tours and uh, the women would go to different farms to learn how to uh, grow different crops or rare um, cattle or, or goats, whatever it is that they, livestock that they choose to, to, to keep. So and then we also have the boot camps. The boot camps, most of them have been online. And the idea with the boot camps is to train the young or the, the new entrepreneurs to grow a business from scratch. And that's a big issue with uh, entrepreneurship. If you don't have your documentation in place, it's difficult for you to get um, uh, financing from the bank. So we want to prepare entrepreneurs. So those are the key areas that we focused on in the past 10 years. But most of these activities were online. And it so mm -hmm. happened that now that we have COVID, it's actually an advantage for us because we can continue with activities without really being distracted by the fact that we can't go to a particular office. However, over time, we also looked at the need for us to now bring those online activities to the ground. So recently in uh, November, I was in Zambia, we went to launch the business incubator. And the business incubator is supposed to be uh, like the next step after a young uh, entrepreneur uh, graduates from our boot camp, what is my next step? What do I do from there? We need to handhold them for a little bit. So we launched the business incubator in Osaka, and the idea is that those who graduate now can stay there uh, in our incubator for a period of six to 12 months where they receive mentorship, or they can also get our co-working space at discounted uh, prices. So we do have a co-working space, we have a fashion studio, we also have um, a, another area for artwork or any other activity. So like right now, uh, a group that graduated from the boot camp, they were uh, developing an idea around agribusiness. So now they'll be using our office space to test their products. They're trying to make tomato paste and um, garlic paste. 
So instead of them paying out there, they're going to use our space because they graduated from our program. So um, in a nutshell, this is what we've done. But I get really excited just to see, especially the young people graduating from the program and they stay in the program and they want to learn more and they get the support they need to move to the next level. So that's where we are. Okay. Before I switch to Nicole and the ladies in Lusaka, just very quickly, what has been the greatest challenge in the past 10 years? Um, the greatest challenge. I think initially it was just us being able to uh, balance the online activities with the ground activities. We didn't have any space, office space. Um, so everything had to be, we had to rent uh, to, to provide training, which was a challenge. Um, and just, you know, coordinating things from a distance. I'm here and then uh, developing a team on the ground obviously was a challenge. So it, it just, everything just led to us opening up the business incubator. And that's how we were able to resolve that. And the good thing is that even the team that's working now in the incubator are graduates from the business mm. boot camp. So it okay. all just fell into place in the end. Mm. Excellent. Nicole, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Um, how did you find yourself in this? Uh, what, what's the word? <laughs> Team Anakazi, uh, this how, yes, Team Anakazi, family. Oh, Team Anakazi, that's what you call it. Okay. Yes. So, how did you get entangled yes. with this Team Anakazi thing, and how did you connect yourself with this Tumbuka woman? I'm telling you, it was through God. It was it was a connection. Um, mm -hmm. We met in an Uber, just oh, communicating wow. and talking during our travels. <laughs> And okay. from there, we exchanged um, information, like our phone numbers, and we stayed in contact. And during that time, um, Eureka came up with this ideal of being accountable to each mm -hmm. other, like for any task that we had. So from there, we kind of started just calling each other on a weekly basis to talk about our ideas, our dreams, and then being held accountable by, like, putting some action into that to, to get the ball rolling and to – to see where it would go. And that's how we started talking about Anakazi. And it has grown from when we first connected. Mm -hmm. I want to say that was three years ago when we connected, Miss um, Yoreka. And from there, I've been a part of an amazing community of people who want to see other women grow. And not just women, just people in general, you know, grow mm -hmm. in their craft. And Miss um, Yoreka and her leadership has has taken Anakazi and those that are a part of Anakazi to where it is today. And I'm just looking forward to the future because I know it's, it's about to go, it's about to blow up. Hashtag Team yeah. Anakazi. Remember that name. <laughs> <laughs> Yareka for president, 2021. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Nicole, before I switch to the ladies in Lusaka, you are using the word yes. accountability. Uh, how yes. crucial is that for anybody to succeed in anything you are doing in life? I think it's ex extremely um, crucial and it's needed. You need to have someone that's connected to you that you can trust, who mm -hmm. can hold you accountable and call out those things that need to be called out, not as a negative, but as constructive criticism to help you grow. So when you have a circle of people who want to help you grow, 
you know yes. that you can listen to what they're saying. It's wisdom. And when you listen to that wisdom and apply it, not only will you grow, but those that are around you will grow as well. You know, there's this saying that if you're around broke people all the time, you're going to be broke yourself. So you want to be with people who know more than you, who are more advanced than you, so that you can uh-huh. grow. And then, you know, we can break this cycle and we can take people that are under our, underneath us and pull them up as well from the leadership that we've gotten from those that, you know, we trust. So accountability is key in any aspect of life. That's true. Now, you just explained why I'm around Roger all the time, because Roger doesn't give up. Every time I felt weak and giving up on this radio show, Roger is like, no, 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 no. We are not giving up. We keep pushing. That's why we are here. Way to go, Roger. That's right. Roger, Team Roger. That's right. That's what we always say. That's what we always say. Me and Nicole, we say we keep moving. (laughs) <laughs> no matter moving. what we it looks moving. like, we you keep mm. moving and you pull each other up. Um, That's because right. It's temporary. Uh-huh. It is. It is not permanent. It's temporary. And now you'll have the strength to pull someone else up as well. Mm. Excellent. You are listening to Zanga Block Talk Radio. We are both live on Zoom and on our radio show. Uh, we're speaking to Yareka Muhango, the founder and CEO of Anakazi Center, with her team, Nicole McKenzie. Susan Zulu, Gladys Mwamba, and Tamara Kumwenda. Let's go to Lusaka and speak to the ladies here in Lusaka. Um, who do we begin with? Uh, Gladys, hi. How's Lusaka today? Hey, Lusaka is great. How are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm doing fine. Uh, tell to us about how you found yourself connected with Anakazi and what you do. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, I first uh, came in contact with Anakazi through Facebook. I had uh, posted uh, through a Facebook comment, actually. Anakazi was uh, advertising for their boot camp, for their mentorship boot camp. So I, I, I happened to comment on one. I was, I was trying to find out what is it about? Uh, what kind of services are they offering? So then they asked, what kind of business do you have? And we are ready to develop your business and we are ready to help you advance your career. So I was interested. So I had to um, post what I was doing. And currently I am in plastic waste recycling. So I posted okay. my pictures and had, yes, I posted my picture and I, uh, I, I did mention of what I'm doing, and um, the founder of the Anakazi contacted me and said, okay, well, I'll send you a link, and you need to apply into our boot camp, and then we can pick it from there. And that's Stop how working. I applied. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. Yes I, apl- yes, I applied, and I got accepted into the boot camp. I, uh, we had a six-week boot camp, a training, and after our training, we learned a lot of things, how to, how to run your business. Is my business profitable? I just had a lot of things that I got from the boot camp. Uh-huh. And okay. I have moved from step one. And I can say I'm in step five. I had a lot of networking. I met a lot of people. And, I, and at this point, I look at my business in a, in a, in a different wavelength from the way it was from the time I did, um, from the time before I met Anakazi. 
So I am a wow. 2020 uh, graduate. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am a, 20, uh, a proud 2020 Anacarsi graduate, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yes, I, uh, I like I like the yeah. way I like the word you are using different wavelengths. The other thing I've observed you said is from step one to step five. That that that's exactly. amazing listening yeah, listening to this. So you are in plastic waste recycling and you get into exactly. this boot camp. Uh I know mm-hmm. you've used these phrases that I'm referring to. Just share two or three things that really, really stood out to you during this six weeks boot camp. Okay. The very first thing that was, was like the top, like world-class education that they gave it to us. Uh, Number two, they gave to us um, the mentors from all walks Mm. of life in entrepreneurship from the USA. We were exposed you are great mentors that are already in the business, and I had to learn a lot. These are people who are already established that we were given a chance to have a conversation with, to uh, learn, ask questions. And number three, I was able to be uh, to to pitch in front of um, the Ministry of uh, National Development uh, in Zambia. So they were all impressed to see my ideas. So I had, I had to meet a whole lot of people through this platform. So you see, I, before that, I was just mm-hmm. a little girl with this, this, this writing. I, had not, I didn't have that international platform or the national platform or other people to see my idea. But here I am, and I'm, I have got confidence to stand before anybody and pitch my ideas, you see. So you can see the difference in all of this. Excellent. Excellent. I want yes, you to I address... I the question. Yes, you have. Uh, very well. Yes. I mean, I, I don't expect anything less when you hang out with Yarek and Nicole. I mean, you, yeah. you, you've answered it uh, very well. Uh, before we speak mm-hmm. to... Before I, I engage Tamara here, let's talk about plastic waste recycling. Uh, explain mm-hmm. to us what, what type of business that is. Okay, so this business is uh, mostly the community-based business. Yeah, we are mostly focusing on how we tackle the plastic waste in Zambia because it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a huge environmental problem, so we want to turn it into a, a form of an economic way, we, a form of where we can create employment. For a, for a better word. Okay. So what we do mm-hmm. is that we have what what we do is that we have bulk collection centers in different districts where uh, people in the community will pick the plastic waste, bring it to the collection center, and they get paid right there and then, and they rid themselves out of poverty. They can buy themselves food, pay rent, or take their children to school. And we take all these collected plastic waste to different companies. For example, Trade Kings is buying from us. Chinese companies are buying from us. It's different. Even a South African company are importing from us. So this mm-hmm. is the kind of business that we are doing. Okay. And more That's... so, there is also a, a woman who is making um, pavers out of plastic. So she's also part of our program. 
part of the plastics that we have, we said it's too high in Kitwe and she's making pavers using the plastic waste. Recycle them. Oh. Excellent. Yeah. I like it when you say that the people that de deliver these uh, plastic waste to your centers get paid right there mm -hmm. and then and they are able to to take care of uh, things on the on their end and uh, like 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 our our senior advisor here dr patrick wilson has always told us zambia will only be developed by zambians uh great yeah. stuff gladys great stuff hi tamara thank you hi how are you doing today i'm all right how are you I'm doing good. All right. So, Tamara, tell us how you got involved and how you found yourself connected with Anakazi. How did that happen? All right. I was scrolling through Facebook, then I came across the ad. I decided to apply. I, at that point, I really didn't know what Anakazi was all about, but then I was like, during the pandemic, what am I doing home? Let me try something, something different, something, let me enroll myself into this program. That's when I decided to apply, and to my surprise, I checked my email, and I was accepted for the boot camp. Mm. Then we, we started the classes, which were so amazing. I was exposed to a lot of things. I'm a student, but then there are some things that we at school are not taught, especially business-wise. We're not taught how to teach, how to write our business plans, and that's something that a business dating on entrepreneurship needs to know. And Anakazi exposed me to all those things. Right now, I can confidently stand in front of a crowd and pitch my business idea without shivering or without being scared of what other people would think about me. So yeah, that's how I got myself into Anakazi. Okay, that's good, that's good. So you are in agriculture, right? What, what sort of, what specific things are you doing uh, with, your, with, your, with your line of business? We all know agriculture is a broad subject or a broad industry. Oh yes. Um, as the agriculture group, we looked at the problem that we Zanians are facing here, I'm sure you're aware that most of the things that we eat in Zambia are imported. We do produce uh, food stuff in Zambia, but we do not process them. So we decided to go the processing way. We looked at how we can help ourselves and at the same time help the farmers here in Zambia by creating a market for them, especially the tomato, tomato farmers, because 60% of tomatoes in Zambia every year are wasted. We looked at that and we were like, what can we do to help the farmers not make a loss? At the same time, mm. we as well benefited from it. Well, we came up with uh, processing the, tomato, the tomatoes into tomato paste. So we'll be buying mm -hmm. our tomatoes from more subsistence farmers who don't have the market to sell those tomatoes. We'll be buying from them, then processing them into tomato paste. Right now, we're at the stage of testing our tomato paste so that we can provide the best quality to the people of Zambia. Mm. Excellent, excellent. So how would you describe, uh, apart from what you said, being able to stand before people and communicate, uh, 
uh, about your business and what you are about. What would you say has been some of the benefits you connecting and working with Anakazi Center? Okay, the most, most wonderful benefit that I've benefited from Anakazi is that they employed me, I'm intending with them. I'm the one in charge of coming up with business plans and strategic plans for Anakazi. I'm still mm-hmm. in school, but yet intending with them makes me be exposed to the business world before I even complete my education. By the moment I'm done with my degree program, Anakazi already begged me to take up the business world. So it would be something easy and a walkover for me to adjust into the environment. Then the okay. other thing is networking. I've made, made different and wonderful, powerful women who I can look at, look at and say, okay, one day I want to be like her or I want to do better than her because she's doing well for herself. Yes. Excellent. Uh, you've mentioned something about being responsible for, did you say business plans? So if somebody needs help with a business plan, are you able to help them with that? Yes, they have already run me through all the necessary things that I need to know to write a business, business plan for someone. And right now I'm capable of doing that. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. We'll be sending some business your way. And I'm sure... Uh, Dr. Patrick is glad to hear this. All right, let's chat with Susan. Hi, Susan. How are you doing today? Hello, how are you? Doing great. How are things going at Anakazi Center? Yeah, Ms. Yareka tells me you run the office. Tell us about that. Yes, I'm running the office and the program ends, and everything is going on great, surprisingly. Um, Everything is perfect at the moment. All right, so what goes on at Anakazi Center? What kind of things go on? Somebody walks in. What we can expect? Sorry, can you just repeat that? I just had a message. I, I said, uh, what sort of things going on at Anakazi Center? If somebody walks in, what would they expect? Uh, well, we have uh, people coming in for different reasons. Uh, we have people coming in to ask what Anakazi is all about. So uh-huh. being uh, someone who the programs, I run them through the programs that Anakazi is offering. Uh, as Ms. Yereka alluded to, um, our mission and uh, what programs and services we are offering at Anakazi. So I run them through, and then there are people that are interested in uh, being part of the network. So I run them through, and then I tell them what they, uh, the procedure for them to join the Anakazi network. Okay. So is somebody listening to the show right now, and they want to be part of the Anakazi network, what's the procedure, what's the process? What do they need to do? Okay, so they need to uh, first tell us what their interest is or what their needs are. Are they looking into uh, uh, a business networking? Uh, do they have uh, a business idea? Or are they also looking into uh, maybe uh, workforce development? Maybe they don't mm-hmm. really need a business to market themselves in the workforce uh, environment. Uh, so from there, we pick it up first. We need to find out what their needs are. 
and then we know where to place them. Like in the last boot camps that we had, we had women that were interested in uh, different areas like agriculture, green business, and um, uh, natural beauty, and other, uh, other sectors. So we had to find out what their needs are and their interests are, and then from there, we coordinate them with other women who are already, uh, other women and men who are already established in those businesses, and then we link them for mentorship and also provide training and access to markets as well as um, access to information. Excellent, excellent. Give us an idea of what sort of programs that you talked about, programs and uh, People wanting, to, I want you to just very briefly go through what sort of programs you have at the center. Okay, so currently the program that is running on a full capacity is our fashion program. So our fashion, in our fashion program at the moment, we are making our we are making ready to go custom made outfits. So we have mm -hmm. women who came and then they learned and then they, they got some information and then they're implementing that. So when uh, people out there want to join our fashion program, we are going to create a package for training uh, young entrepreneurs that are interested in the fashion program. So they come into the center, they are trained, and then if they want to take it up in different stages, if they get the information, then they get the skills, then they understand not only the fashion sense, but how to make money out of their fashion interest. Then we also have the agricultural program where women are coming together, like Ms. Erika alluded to our farm tours. So some people have the idea or the interest on uh, entering the agriculture sector, but they don't know where to start from. So we have mentors like Ms. Uh, Grace Caputo, one of our our alumni in the agriculture mm -hmm. uh, network. She's a hands-on person who provides information and hands-on experience for somebody to actually go to the farm and learn the skill hands-on for them to understand which season to plant what and which market, available markets that are there for what sort uh, in the farming uh, program. Then we also have the green business program, the one that Miss um, Gladys is under. So if we have women that are interested in the in the in the green business, they can as well come into to an Akazi. And then we have the able and capable uh, mentors like uh, the mentor that mentors the green business group with Mr. Billy, and as well as Gladys who will come in hands on to work with the people that are interested in going into green business, as well as other sectors that I haven't mentioned because they are a bit fast. Excellent, excellent. That that that's a whole wealth of information, Susan. And it's uh, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, get in touch with the office. Uh, what's the information? Okay, they can get us on our website, uh, www.anakazi.org, and then we have information there on uh, how they can get in touch with the office. But in Lusaka, our offices are found uh, in Rose Park area, uh, Broad Road, uh, to 4B. Excellent. We shall be, I'm sure the people that are listening to the show and they will be interested in uh, 
whichever part of the world. I know Anakaz is a, is a worldwide institution and organization, so they will be able to get in touch with you. Great stuff, ladies. Um, as we continue our discussion here, uh, let me go back to uh, our founder and uh, everybody listening. Remember, this is uh, the purpose we are doing. This is in line with the, uh, record, our recognition and celebration of Black History Month in the United States, and I think Anakazi deserves a place in that role of honor. Uh, Yareka, what's the difference between a business incubator and the boot camp? Sorry. Can you repeat your question, please? What's the difference between a business incubator and a boot camp? Well, the boot camp is just a training uh, which prepares someone to uh, go into like an incubator. Uh, mm-hmm. But, it, 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 you know, they, they, they can run together. They're, they're, um, for example, those who start out in the boot camp, they are better prepared to stay in, in, in an incubator because they understand exactly what they want to do. So it, it kind of the boot camp more or less prepares someone for for mm-hmm. an incubator. So uh, for example, Team Agriculture, they had no idea when they came into the boot camp. They got together. They just all they knew is that they're interested in agriculture um, business. They came up with an idea as a group, and they came up with a name. We helped them to define their business, and uh, just to be a little bit more specific, test it out and draft up a concept note. And, they, and then we prepared them to pitch. And after they pitched, they actually won the prize. Uh, Tamara didn't mention that. So they won 10,000 kwacha. And that 10,000 kwacha is supposed to help them in the business incubator. So now they're going to, uh, they're registered in the incubator. They're going to start uh, testing their product at our facility in, um, in World Park. So uh, the incubator is supposed to last maybe six to 12 months. And the idea is not to keep people there forever. They're supposed to graduate mm-hmm. to the next stage. And so if they stay more than a year, then we know we're not doing our job. So we need to make sure that we give them everything they need. Um, and we also connect them, like others have already mentioned, we connect them to the right resources, whether it's ZBA, if they can help with the packaging, or if it's financing, which is connecting with the banks. Um, or it could be just a mentor who is a, like a technical support who can guide them through the business plan and refining it. Um, it's the whole process and uh, the whole idea again for the, for the incubator is to subsidize some of the costs that entrepreneurs have to uh, cough out in the first year of their business. It's not easy to start a business and sell and make money and, and uh, be sustainable enough to pay for your rent. It's always difficult. So we try to subsidize that. And this is why the team team agriculture and team um, recycling, they can always come to our office and do everything they need to do, at least for the next 12 months. And then after 12 months, they leave room for the other ones, the, the, the new um, entrepreneurs who are coming behind them. Both uh, Gladys and Tamara have referred to access to finance. How is that looking in the Zambian scenario, Yareka, considering the environment we are in the pandemic? I think there's been a flood of alternative financing on the market, which is uh, village banking and other structures that we've seen, microfinancing, microlending. 
Um, but then the, I think at some point there was so much access to that kind of lending that uh, mm -hmm. people really encumbered themselves so much that they were unable to pay back because, um, you know, you can only pay back with the resources, I mean, so, so if, you're, if you have a good cash flow from your business. But if your business is not established enough and uh, you're trying to pay back so much money, it's very difficult to keep running. In the end, you pack up your business and you give up. So this is why we keep people in our incubator and we're just um, providing that accountability that uh, Nicole mentioned. We talk to them and say, okay, uh, do you have to spend all that money? And those are conversations mm -hmm. I have with Samara and her team. Okay, you want 10,000 kwacha, but do you have to spend it now? Or mm -hmm. do you just spend a little bit of it and then start refining your idea? And then, excuse me, and then later on, look for more money. So I think if you have a good idea and you have uh, documented properly, um, you do have access to finance because banks are more willing to work with you or investors are willing to put some extra money in your business, knowing that you're a little bit more than just someone coming out with a, a brand new idea and they don't have anything in writing. It's good to have an idea, but if it's in your mind, it's not documented, it's not going anywhere. So I think this is why we need to have these incubators. The model itself mm. is uh, very difficult to manage because we are not a funded organization, but we're relying a lot on uh, the, the, um, you know, sponsors or partners who are, who are available to help these young women and men who are, who are going to come through our business incubator. So it's a balance uh, from our end. Okay. Uh, let me make this comment before I throw the, qu the question to you. Uh, of course, you can't save the whole world, okay? Um, no matter how good anybody's intentions are, I'm saying this to ask this question. Uh, your office is based in Lusaka, Zambia. I don't know how much work are you doing outside of Zambia, outside of Lusaka. I'm talking about the rural woman. Okay, so our initial concept was first to set up the shop in Lusaka, an office, like a central place. Everybody stops mm. there at the end of the day. That's like the headquarters or the financial headquarters in general. Then, um, then we start working on connecting women in the rural parts of Zambia. So one of the areas we've been looking at is Anakazi Kumawa. We call Anakazi Kumawa for Eastern Province. Uh, there's a lady young um, out there. Her name is Miriam, who started mm -hmm. out to see if she could uh, open up a chapter in, in Chipata area. And then that way, that you know, opens up like a path or a connection to women who are in agriculture in Eastern Province. And they would now uh, provide their, you know, send their produce out to women in our network in Lusaka. So that's like opening mm -hmm. up markets for women in the rural parts of Zambia. Then we also have the Copper Belt. We've been talking to uh, some, uh, some ladies from the boot camp, again, Gladys and um, some other friends uh, of hers from the boot camp, uh, Patience Mula and uh, another lady, Lydia. So they're interested in opening up um, something in, on the Copper Belt. So that's another connection to the Copper Belt. So it's, I think it's step by step, and like you said, mm -hmm. we can't save the whole world, but I think one woman at a time works. So we're looking at one city at a time, uh, wherever we have women, especially those coming out of our boot camp, it, it, it's much easier for us to sell the, the, the concepts and the mission uh, through those who've experienced it and those who that are coming in uh, randomly. Mm, excellent. 
We are celebrating Black History Month, looking at the achievements of uh, people of color, if you wish to use that expression, Africans of black people. Next week, I'll be speaking to Dr. Joseph, is it in Polola, Yareka? Polola, yes. Yes. Next week, Roger, I'll be speaking to Dr. Joseph Uncolola. He's part of the team. You have all heard that Johnson & Johnson has come up with a vaccine for the COVID-19. He's part of the team that did the work on that, on, that, uh, on that vaccine. So he's the one I'll be talking to next week. Um, we, people of color have done some quite a bit of achievements and the contributions here. Uh, I don't know if you have any comment, Roger, or question anybody who has called in before Yareka winds this up with uh, what is next for the next 10 years for uh, Anakazi Center. Uh, I need to commend you, Yareka. You've stayed the course. Um, in America, there's a TV show called Survivor. And uh, <laughs> 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 is Nicole still here? I used to like watching. I used to like watching that show because I I like things yes. to do with endurance, <laughs> with endurance. You know, you have to stay the course. You have to stay the course. Uh, Nicole, you are in the U.S. with Yareta. How are things looking uh, yeah, like yeah. for Anakazi? How are things looking like for Anakazi on this part of the world? Oh, things are looking great. We have some some plans and processes in place, so. Stay tuned and look out because Anakazi is not only in Zambia, but we want to make a difference right here in the United States as well. That's right. That's right. How, how proud does this make you, Nicole? Here's a, a, a young, I can call her young. Here's a young African woman who is just giving herself to do what she's doing. I mean, listening to what Susan, Gladys, Tamara, and all the people out there who are not on this show would be able to say what Anakazi has done in the past 10 years. How does that make you feel, Nicole? It makes me feel extremely proud. I mean, to be able to, to talk to anyone, my peers, my family, and say, like, I am a part of an organization, a family that gives back. Mm. Um, and I can truly mean that. It's just not something that's said because it sounds good, but it's something that I can back it up. And I have, you know, our students, you know, Eureka, everyone that can come and say, yes, like because of Anakazi, I've been able to, you know, grow not only within myself, but my business as well. So that makes me feel mm -hmm. proud. Um, and I'm just, I, words can express like how I really feel just to be a part of Anakazi and to, to know Eureka um, and to hear her dreams and passions for what she wants to do and to live it. Um, Excellent. I want to yeah, the world. That's good. I, I agree Thank with you. you. Absolutely agree with you. I mean, that's why when we were planning on working on this, one of the first people that came to my mind, I said, uh, there's no, yeah, I need to do this with Eureka. Dr. Pat, are you there before we finish here? Roger, by the way, good job on this Zoom thing. I think I need to be, you know, for, it takes me a bit of time to adjust to things, but I like this. I like this. <laughs> okay, we, we, yes, we have I, to. I, I, I am yeah, with Dr. you. Yes, I am with <laughs> you. Yeah, Dr. Pat, I want you to comment the same question that I threw to Nicole here. 
why is this important for us to do this, to celebrate ourselves, to, to, you know, to cheer ourselves on? It's important when we apply ourselves to our own businesses. It's, it's, mm. It does tell with the, the brother who came out with the, the fashion name of FUBU, for us, by us. Whenever mm. you do something and you're doing it for yourself and for your people and for your family, it gives you a sense of strength. And I, I was continuously smiling throughout the program, and I, I'm, I'm loving all my sisters doing outstanding work. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. It's crucial. Hi, okay, let's, let's finish. Hi, Dr. Patrick. So good to hear <laughs> from you. Yes, it's indeed. a long time. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hey, um, mm-hmm. uh, if, 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 if we can sometime in the not-too-distant future, I would like to refine. I was, I was very pleased to hear about the business plan, talking about the business plan. But I would like yes. to refine it to a degree in the not too distant future, so that we won't run into the the I call them many problems of of not getting funded or running out of resources and money. And the if we refine the business plan, we won't run into that problem as much. Mm, excellent, excellent. Mm. Uh, Alan, very quickly. You want to say something before we finish with Yareka here? Yes, I just wanted to say uh, I am so extremely proud to, you know, to know uh, Yareka, of course, and then the work that she's doing. You know, it gives me a sense of pride. You know, we come from Chingola and Papa Kopala, and uh, just to see her, even when the last time I talked to her, she's very, very encouraging. She gave me some valuable, valuable advice and on the business front, what she's doing is pretty much my passion. You know, um, I can do the stuff like she's doing for nothing, but it's so important because we are reaching out to other people that are don't have any other means of hope, that once your help that you're giving to them, it, it's help that they can't just find anywhere, and help that, quite frankly, a lot of us uh, do need to uh, be able to call on you, someone who's already started. I don't need to go through all the steps that you've been through, but I can call on a person like you and say, how do I go, or your organization, mm. or some of my people back home. I'm, I've been thinking of several people. I said, I should just send them to Anakazi instead of me dumping yeah, you know, sending let, them let, money, and they know, what, they don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> exactly. They're sending them to Anakazi. I mean, it's yes. who's to take care of them there, competent people Absolutely. here. Uh, Yareka, Absolutely. let's finish this. Okay, the next 10, 20 years, uh, Yareka, uh, 10 years now, how does the future look like? What's the future outlook? So we've been talking about Vision 2030. <laughs> it's, uh-huh. still, uh, it's still a baby. It's still in the incubator, refining, trying to figure out which direction to go. But um, the first step was this business incubator accelerator approach where we start, you know, producing in real entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurs that are going to grow big, big businesses. And uh, from there, we see uh, in ten, at least 10 years' time, we should see a lot more women-owned um, businesses that are financed um, in, you know, in v- various sectors, you know, not just agriculture and gas, you know, 
you know, we need everybody out there uh, to grow. Um, I think we've spent the past 10 years just trying to uh, boost the communication around business, trying to encourage people to even dream about their ideas and grow them. But now it's implementation. So the next 10 years we're going to focus on making sure that we're building real businesses. Nicole and I keep saying, hey, this year we need to raise a million dollars. We need to raise a million dollars. Yeah, you know? we will. So <laughs> we start speaking to ourselves in that way, and then we, we expect the same with all the other entrepreneurs that we're working with. In the next 10 years, um, I should see at least you know, hundreds of uh, big uh, women-owned businesses out there not just in Zambia, but even here in the U.S., we're trying to uh, empower each other out here, too. Excellent, excellent. Okay, remember, this is my final question. I promised you I'd ask you this question, right? You remember that? Yes. <laughs> we are celebrating Black History Month, okay? Um, who has, which, which Black or African person of color has been of influence and you have admired in your life? Well, there's so many, but I think recently, mm. uh, and in the spirit of uh, women economic empowerment, I watched a movie on uh, Madam C.J. Walker, and I was amazed mm. at what she was able to do. Uh, she was a self-made millionaire. She started from scratch, you know, working from her house. Uh, selling um, hair products, and she had a model that we see every day. It's uh, women empowering mm -hmm. each other. She had women working for her, and she had uh, to make business decisions, which were tough for her at the time. Uh, do you go with a big company? Do you stay with your local producers? You know, do you take away business from other women, or do you work with them so that they can also grow? Um, she had problems with accessing finance, like every one of us today. Uh, she, she had problems uh, talking to people who could give her money. Pitching, we're talking about pitching. So sometimes you just walk up in a, in a hallway, a group of men are talking, and she just wants to pitch her idea. So we're talking about confidence. There's little, little things today. We're saying, oh, I, now I can pitch. It's a big deal because this is the same thing that other entrepreneurs face, like Madam C.J. Walker. And I was able to follow mm -hmm. up and see, oh, wait, what happened to her legacy? What happened? Um, you know, and uh, I saw that uh, one of her grandkids was trying to keep it alive, reviving it. Um, and it just made me think about the need for us when we plan our ideas. They have to outlive us. They have to go beyond us. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, we have to detach ourselves from, you know, from the founder syndrome where it's only you running the show because if you die, everything dies with you. So I think mm -hmm. that's... That, really empowered me to start thinking about an academy in a different way. I'm very grateful to have a team, uh, Nicole, Susan, Gladys, uh, Tamara. It's just everybody who's putting in their efforts to grow an academy beyond me and, um, you know, create platforms for other women. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that was our first in the series of uh, celebrating Black History Month. My guest was Yareka Mohango. She's the founder and CEO of Anakazi Center. And we were also joined by Nicole McKenzie, who's part of the team. Tamara Kumwenda, Gladys Mwamba, Susan Zulu, joining us from Lusaka from the Anakazi Center office. Ladies and gentlemen, I said we are right on the team. Congratulations on your 10 years. 
and uh, we applaud you. Thank you.